Hello and welcome to another episode of the Point Forward Podcast. Fresh off of a, a very exciting Monday, I woke up at like 5.45 to see how much snow had fallen in uh, Minneapolis and Woj Bomb. First thing in the morning. And uh, snow Anthony bomb. Davis wants to... Snow Bomb? Snowge Bomb. Anthony Davis wants to be traded, break it all down, and uh, talk about some some other random stuff. This is going to be a lot of AD and a lot of random stuff today, which should be fun. AD DJ, and bullshit. New album AD coming out. It's not the a terrible bra- album, Browlicious. That's a better one. You like that one better? So did, whoa. Um, I do like that one better. So I think you and I are going to kind of look at this three different ways today. We've got what this means for AD, what this means for the Pelicans front office, and then what this means for uh, everybody else and every other team and their front office and what they can do between now and the trade deadline, which is a little bit more than a week away. And then, uh, or if this is going to delay till summer. So let's start with AD. Um, not surprised he wants to be traded. I, I there you hear others argue that they're the Pelicans are not a bad team and, and they're not. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Clearly, Big Pelicans uh, fan. Was I was gonna say I'm really rubbing. Was that uh was that Rusty or was that? That was Sandy. Sandy. Okay, Sandy's apparently a big Pelicans fan, but she knows Del Dems uh, personally. <laughs> he, he, this makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, it's pretty nice of him actually to tell the Pelicans with plenty of time so they can get a pretty good return on him. That's was my thought. But like, well, other than Drew Holiday, like, what are you gonna get from that team? They're cap strapped for a long time. They're not gonna make the playoffs this year. Have not been playing well lately. You know what else can you expect? Well, I he's mean, been with, he's been with the team for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a great. I mean, <clears throat> they are the the Pelicans are the early, you know, late late two thousand, early you know two thousand ten Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I mean, th- this is the same situation LeBron was in before he left Miami the first time. It's it's really this is the you have a situation that AD wasn't born in New Orleans has no like hometown ties to ever want to come back to New Orleans. Um, and yeah, they haven't built they've they've failed to build a good team around him. Uh, we were talking earlier, and I said you know who has been the best you know the best players he's had on his team have been you know outside Drew Holiday. It's like okay, he had Rondo Rondo and Boogie last year. And you know, prior to that, you look like it was Fat Eric Gordon and Tyreek Evans who couldn't shoot. Like that's been the most talented any type of basketball player that they've put around him since drafting him. Um, so no, and I don't think anyone can sit here and be surprised that he was is going to leave. I think the the shock is that he's. It's not sources close to it's. His agent, Rich Paul, sending a statement, and then the Pelicans following up with their own statement and being like, yes, his intentions have been told to us, we're aware of it, and we will look to move. Like, this is all out in the open, full on. He got fined 50 k today uh, by the I don't league. I he's going to be able to afford that. He makes 200 k per game. Uh, so... 
it's like essentially like an application fee to a college or to you know <laughs> request Seriously. a form of some like I mean he'll I, I'm sure LeBron will buy him a few extra dinners for taking that fine or something if he ends up with the Lakers. Uh overall, I mean with an A D side I think it's it's if anything you look at past players and how they've handled this, I mean he's not the first. It's and if you really look in this modern NBA, I mean, this is this all was just said like came from the LeBron decision in 2010 when he left Cleveland, and every other big superstar since then has made this similar decision. I mean, there's been speculation around it, but I mean, he came out and said it, and honestly, he you you said I mean like he gave this is the best situation he in the best way he could have done it for, as far as one being open and transparent with. The Pelicans. He didn't have to do this. No. Um, and he's done it in a way that they can recoup a, a decent amount of value for him. Uh, you know, the the compare the co- closest comparison really is like the the Mello when Mello got traded to the Knicks, but it was, you know, the the difference there was that Mello had some pressure to, um get a contract and everything because of the new CBA and there was some of that. The AD doesn't even have that. So really it's, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to sign here. Um, one argument I'd say, you know, I know we're going to kind of transition to what the Pelicans do here, but it's like, um, you know, part of it is, and we, I've said this and, you know, kind of taking, stealing it from what Amino hasn't said. It's like, no one's actually turned down that Supermax offer. And so, you know, he's saying he won't sign an extension, but he's still like, hasn't actually been offered it. You know, we all assume he would be, but you know, one question is if you if they don't move him this season before the deadline, it's like if you're the Pelicans, do you still, you know, formally offer that to him and just you know there's a difference between saying like if you offer it in this hypothetical, but seeing that contract and really, you know, playing the numbers and stuff, which I'm sure the team has, but is is it truly that futile of a of a move for them at this point to, to even try that? This is like here it is. Here's the two hundred and thirty five million dollars. One last chance. Do you, AD, do you want to turn this down? I don't think there's anything wrong with at least going through the exercise of having him turn it down. Like physically, just yeah, have him write yeah, in like plain one... writing. I do not want the Pelicans two hundred thirty five million dollars. Yeah. The. The negative is that I think in order for him to even consider that, they would either need to they need to somehow turn things around the season, or they're gonna have to bring talent in that's gonna convince him to stay. And I don't know how they're gonna do that. I mean, they, no, I mean, no, it's <clears throat> they just don't really have many options. He, in his like everything they said, it was like he wants to like long, successful winning championships, that kind of stuff. Like he's not saying it's he's doing this for non money reasons. So I'm but. Still, there's just a little bit of me. It's like, well, if it's really not about money reasons, like let's confirm that. And when you can put that money reason in front of him and have him say, like, yes, I that's correct, Dell Dems. I do not want your two hundred and thirty-five million dollars. Like, I would, I would rather be go somewhere else. Now, I mean, the the whole you know, there's been more and more articles coming out about this kind of. Deduping the supermax lore is that people act like these guys are walking away from a ton of money, but if you really look at how how they can even structure their deals and what they can do, like 
the total loss, you know, quote unquote potential earnings isn't even as great as it seems like just on a contract to con, you know, them turning down that dollar value versus signing with a new team. Like there's, there's plenty of ways to recoup that money in some ways or another. I mean, almost as like the, it's like the, the Dave Chappelle thing of like, Oh, he walked away from this money, but you know, just (laughs) 10 years later, he gets offered that amount. And, to do four specials on, on Netflix type of a thing. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, really, I don't I, I, I don't have any problem, and, and I'm not really sure I can relate to the argument of, like, what AD has done at any point during this. The last 48 hours is wrong. I don't think so either. I think where he deserves some criticism is that this team probably should be better considering they have AD on it. Because I think if you, if I, they, they made the playoffs last year. They won a playoff series last him. year. Because of him. Because, like, because of him, but they're under 500 now and out of playoff contention. And he hasn't missed that many games. I mean, I know he's been he's out missed, the last week uh, or so. Man, that, is, that roster, man, is I, – I, it's, it's fine to say, but, like, that isn't easy. I mean, LeBron taking like that, oh that oh seven oh seven Cavs team, right? like doing that kind of a thing isn't easy. <laughs> it's fine to say it, and on paper, like you're a top, you're a top eight player. You know, you're top six. You know, whatever. Like people outside of LeBron, you might be the most valuable like commodity in the NBA. But to say, like, I can just take any, I can take anything and I can take water and turn it into wine with, like, any roster is difficult. And it's, he, like I said, like, his, his probably the best two players he's played with have been, like, Boogie and Drew Holiday. And Boogie got injured last year and they really never got to see that play out. Um, I, I, I have a difficult time putting that on him completely because them winning a playoff series last year. No, of course it's was not impressive on him com- to me. It was like not, enough. It's not on him completely, but look, if if you switch out LeBron and AD, I'm thinking they're they're gonna have more wins with LeBron. If you put a, a lot of top, no, LeBron's guys, gonna get all those guys traded. <laughs> sure, look, if tell you what, that's an interesting exercise. I'd love to see what he could do to trade away. Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill and all of these guys because that seems that would be a career achievement for even LeBron if he could make that happen. He's even more argument the for the like against the AD thing, man. Like I'm, I, I I'm all there for the you know there's there are guys that bad teams, empty stat dudes. There's there's a lot of like superstars and expectations and weight to be put on them, but. I don't think you can use that when, like, an organization in this case has just been so inept. Like, you just it's like make one good move. Your your one PJ, move. They they made move, the playoffs and for- won last year, and now this year. Like, what has changed from last year to this year? Like, some of they that got has rid to of Rondo. They didn't bring back Boogie. Well, of course, but they they won a playoff series without Boogie, so that doesn't really work. The Rondo, Rondo thing's fair, but is Rondo 
is he swinging like 20 games? Because that's, no. I mean, they're projected to lose significantly more games. And the only big thing. I mean, Miritich is, is not Rondo's playing as well there. as he did last year. They also required him late. All I'm saying is, like, you seem to be quite the defender of AD here, and I think he deserves yeah. some criticism. Like, they should be winning more games with AD. He's a top-five guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, if anything, if the way you're going with this and the way you could spin it is, like, how come they haven't been able to bring anyone that come that want to play with AD? But... As we talked about earlier, it's like this organization was that guy, and yeah, and they were cast him on. Yep, pretty unlucky there with his injury. That's what are you gonna do? Yeah, like I think that that would be more of it than anything. But it's like I mean, I can't make Solomon Hill good, no matter how good AD is. Like I can't expect him to make Solomon Hood Hill like a good basketball player that can swing a a playoff series. No, no. Um, let's move on and talk about the Pelicans because now they're an interesting, an interesting, interesting spot. They can't make a deal with Boston because Boston has Kyrie and that whole thing, and can't have uh, two two players with max extensions because the Rose the rule, all max. that stuff. Yep. yep. And then you have the Lakers, which definitely has. Pro, at least on paper, in theory, have the most assets they could flip, not to mention the fact that there have been connections right between now. AD and the Lakers right now. Um, but this team, in my mind, like the, it was reported today, he, um, the Bucks and the Rockets are looking to try to... The least, Raptors. Uh, sorry. Raptors yeah. and Bucks trying to throw their hat in the ring and see what happens. Obviously, the Lakers are going to be interested and are going to be trying to make something happen. But the Lakers got to try to move quick because it seems like if, if the Celtics really wanted to make a godfather offer this summer um, and include Tatum in a deal, that seems to be the way that the Pelicans would want to go. Um, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm waiting unless I'm getting everything from L.A., three first-rounders and, and every young asset they have. Yeah, I just from the 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 idea of of what's the best offer. I I I think if if everything was even, it would be Boston has the most 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 pieces, most assets, everything. Like you could garner the the best trade package for AD. I think from Boston. If you the the flip side is though, like the Pelicans, like. Is there an incentive to have AD play for you ever again this season with this out there and, like, the potential of him being hurt or anything? Like, is it in your best interest to move on immediately, begin to decline some, help your draft position for this year's draft? And, and so, like, it doesn't make sense to, at this moment, the minute he is declared, like, the rebuild starts now, and then you, the, the really that Boston package over the summer is a threat to, like you mentioned, push have other teams feel the pressure to put their best trades forward um and really so right now yeah it's 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 does the do the lakers feel compelled to put all their chips in to get 80 right now um and and what does that all-in offer really look like and what would what would make sense for the pelicans to do right now um 
I don't like. I'm with you. Like I think waiting until the summer is the smart play, as far as getting the most for him. But I don't know then what you do as far as managing him for the remainder of the season. Like, what do you do with that portion of this situation? Because um, that's that's difficult too. Because I mean, I guess it would help you implode a little bit more and continue losing some extra games with him on the court, but. Then I do, that that's the only thing I feel bad for guys like Drew, Drew Holiday and stuff. It's like, damn, we're coming into the season wanting to win and, and contend for a playoff spot, and now we're <laughs> I'm on a a tanking team. You know, I didn't expect to be on it at the beginning of this year. Um, my big thing with this this uh, entire from the Pelicans side is if I'm the uh, questionable about the involvement of ownership and I think uh, Gail Benson's still probably upset about the blown call on the Saints more than her concern is about anything related to the Pelicans right now but like I don't understand and maybe you can explain this to me Alter is like why does Dell Demps get to trade AD because I feel like what should have happened was that statement that was released by Rich Paul and the statement that came out by the Pelicans in response to it, there should have been a second release to say that Dell Demps has been relieved of his duties as GM of the Pelicans because I don't understand if his his time there should have been to get a competent team around AD so AD doesn't leave. Once you've lost AD, I don't think you deserve to then rebuild the team without AD. Well, I mean, if ownership wanted to have a different GM, they could they could do that right now. They're just well, yeah. I mean, it's just bad owner. That's why I mean, it gets to some of the core of it. It's like if I was one of the ten Pelican fans out there, like it's I I think you got to say like Del Devs goodbye. Like you've you've you failed. Like this was this was your you had one job and it was to not lose AD. And now you've you've he's informed you that you have lost him, so therefore you have lost your ability to be the general manager of the <laughs> the Pelicans because he's not going to like he's not going to see the other end of this rebuild. I absolutely like how it works. Like it is just there's no nothing in my mind that he he does that. So it's like why does that guy get to be the one that make the trade and like rebuild this team into a different vision that. Someone else we all know is going to be picking this up midway through. It's like, shouldn't the person that would eventually do that be the one that gets to start it with AD? Well, do you know what's kind of interesting is that we we talk about some of these contracts like they're the, an Alan Crab esque contract. It's like, you know, between fifteen twenty million dollars in long term with a bunch of years left. But after next season. The roughly $21, $22 million between Solomon Hill and Etwan Moore come off the books. Not to mention with the cap going up, like Drew Holiday's contract isn't isn't too ridiculous. Um, like this team is going to be interesting. The problem with them is that they're not going to be able to get any free agents to come there, but they're going to have money. They're going to have so much money to throw around. Um, which means if they get guys like Ingram or, um, you know, if they ended up making a deal with the Celtics, they could. I mean, they they're gonna they're gonna have money to like just throw 
just throw money at the at these guys that they bring in the door, which is I don't know. It's just it doesn't seem I, like Del should be the guy that gets to do all that. No, though. no. But if they if they're gonna trust him to be able to build this team from the ground up and build in the draft, like who, have they shown the ability to draft anyone? They drafted Buddy Heald, who ended up being good and is playing yeah. well for the Kings yeah. now. But like in general, they don't have a ton to show for other than taking a no brain pick. Um. No, and Anthony Davis, right? No, you 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 got you did the you did step A of any NBA franchise goal. You got the superstar. Step B is to key the superstar and to win with him. And they haven't done that. Now superstar is leaving. So so should the person that built the team that didn't accomplish anything that forced the superstar to leave. Uh, yeah, that's just the part of this where I'm like. It, I mean, it's not like the Pelicans are the first team to let, you know, to, to be the, the ones that let the, the failing G, the GM that pushed the guy out or whatever, you know. It is it is what it is, but if I was trying to be a real NBA franchise, I would think, like, you failed at Mission A, or you, you got Mission A done, but you have the guy, but then you couldn't do anything with him, so, like, now that you don't have them, why do I expect you suddenly to be like make a t- better team without AD? No, I just I think ownership needs to realize that. I think yeah, that's but I, I, yeah. I think it's just then it goes to, yeah, bad ownership and whatever. But um, yeah, that's just that that's the one thing more than anything that I was just thinking about. Why is why is Del Demsky to decide who what you get? But because maybe the new GM would prefer to have the Lakers package over the. He likes the 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 players coming back from the Lakers more than he would like what the so, Celtics would give him. But like that's a good transition. Get to decide of that. Um, it should be whoever's actually going to be a part of this rebuild. And you know, if Dell Dubs gets fired in two years, right? I agree with you. They they should find a new GM to to start from essentially square one. And they if they play the cards right here, they're going to have some good young pieces or at least some good some shots in the draft and um you know i will say the la and the celtics we're gonna hear at nauseum about the bidding war between those two the cell i mean the lakers have every incentive over the next nine days to throw everything uh the pelicans way to see what they can get and they've hopefully they've learned their lesson with what happened with Paul George that you can't just sit around yeah. for a guy necessarily. I think they have. Uh, so I'm really I think so too, and I I think they're gonna throw I think they're gonna put a lot on the table. Um, I guess the question is, can are you willing to give up Ingram and Kuzma along with, you know, it sounds like Zubat needs to be on the on the table, and Lonzo is gonna be included too. Is Josh Hart in there too? Like. You do need to have enough roster spots. Like I don't know how all this is gonna work, but um, yeah, I. Some I'm of really, it... I'm really intrigued by the Knicks, and if they dog, if they you know put the number one pick on the table, and if you're the Pelicans, and maybe being able to take Zion, like that's that's fun. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the more and more you think, like it, it really what it comes down to for me is like what are the what are the pelicans primarily focused on getting is it 
do they like any of the young cores of these of between the Celtics and the and the Lakers? Like, do they prefer to get current young assets like guys you know, or to get as many picks and delve into the draft and like that unknown of, of drafting guys? Uh, I can't really make an argument either way of like which is a better decision. Like, that's just an organizational choice you have to make, but like based on that preference it's pretty quickly like you can decide which teams are going to be able to give you what you're looking for then you know it's it's basically the Lakers and I think any other current competing team in the Eastern Conference or if you really think of any other teams in the West that I would has what it would it would take to maybe acquire AD but um like that's kind of the, the two nug- worlds you're yeah, living the, in. The Nuggets, the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. And like some of those, the current playoff teams competing, it's like, all right, you could trade for AD, have him for this year, compete. Maybe you put yourself in a quiet Leonard situation, or, you know, he's really show, like not showing interest in resigning here either. You could flip him or recoup some of that, like kind of rent him for half a season, type of move for this year, and then you move him over the summer. Maybe you would get. Some you get that Celtics offer, but I don't understand from the Pelicans why they would do, why they would do get something quick and let someone else get those assets when they can have that treasure trove at the end. Yeah, they're either gonna get they're gonna. It just seems like the Celtics or the Lakers are the ones that are gonna be able to close this deal because yeah, the Pelicans don't need to be in any rush. Although I will say that something that's really bizarre to me is that apparently they're going to let AD continue to play. And well, okay, one, so that's for sure. That's I didn't know that. If that was that's what Alvin Gentry said is that he wants to play. We want him to play, so that's what they're going to do. And that's ridiculous to me because the one thing that could really go wrong here is that you let AD play, and the the last you know third or whatever the season, whenever he ends up coming back, he gets hurt. He tears, you know, I, whatever it may be, but he has sustains a serious injury of some kind, and then you can't trade him for anything. And why would you play him? I mean, he has. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, been outspoken that he does not want to stay with your team. You have no benefit. Not to mention the fact that you should be tanking for a bad draft pick. Like you are out of this. Even if you, even if he played spectacularly you have a very, very, very low chance of being in the playoffs now. Like you are the Pelicans are sitting at twenty two and twenty eight. Um and the the Clippers are in the eight spot right now at twenty eight and twenty three. Like they're they're eight games back from a playoff spot. They're not gonna make the playoffs. Right I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's kinda why I said so openness is like, yeah, what do you it's basically yeah, like you in, in a lot of ways it's you if I'm them, I'm tanking starts now. Yeah, why you play AD? I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's fine playing him till the dead. I yeah. If you don't move him past the deadline, like I don't understand. It's other than like yeah, he's healthy and wants to play and can. I it's it's a tough. It's a weird. It's just a weird situation for a team to be in because. Yeah, on paper and like your future, you have no in, there's no reason to play him, but yet here's a top six player that wants to play, and like 
you're not going to let him. And I, I don't know what the CBA or like how any of it all works. So it's, I mean, it really comes down to like, if we go back to the AD part, it's like you make this move because he wants to get traded to the Lakers. Like, this is, that's what it's, yeah, it that's, feels like. He and clearly it, wants to, there's no other reason why he would do it right now, this timing. You know, LeBron's going to potentially come back from, to the team. We get play first game back against the Clippers. It's, yeah, it's the timing of everything is very interesting. It's just, yeah, that that's the only reason it is is my play is that his preference is to play with the on the Lakers over the Celtics. So you give the Lakers the window now to try to trade for you when you know the Celtics can't. Yep. Makes sense, but I, yeah. And meanwhile, LeBron's doing all this, and the owners are pissed because they can't do anything about it. The Pelicans asked to look into tampering charges. It's like, cool, guys, you do that after you ask for it, not before. You do it after I mean, AD requests for, for the trade. Yeah, and like, I mean, clearly AD wants to, that's where he wants to be. I mean, but that's. LeBron and Anthony Davis playing together, regardless of who else is a part of that that team at that point, is just insane. Well, so do you have any problem with LeBron like clearly tampering at all? No, he's been getting away for with essentially anything. Getting away? I mean, yeah, if you want to say it like that, but I think it's like, what rules is he breaking? Like he's doing. I... No, I don't. He's not outright breaking any rules. Even I'm not even saying that, but like. He is. He went out to dinner with AD. He's talking Hells with AD. Yeah. He's his friend. But yeah, I mean, you can do that. There's nothing against those things. Right. It's just <laughs> he's he's he is using a system that these owners created against them, and they're all pissed, and they can't do anything about it. And I love it. <laughs> it's <laughs> and I love it. That's pretty much all I had to say about this. But it's like the people that get mad about it. This I'm like, why? 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 <laughs> I don't. I, I can't understand that part of any of this. I think it's awesome. It's just it's fun. It's never you, someone else created the game, and you're better at it than them. And now they're pissed, and they want to try to change stuff. But like, it's already too late. Like the game's done. Like LeBron, you rigged the game a certain way. LeBron outsmarted all of you, and now that he's playing the game the way he wants to play it, under your rules, and there's nothing they can do about it. Nope. Uh, do you do you think it's time to move on to the the bullshit part of the part of this podcast? Yeah, which part? Actual bulls shit, bullshit, whatever you you got. Oh, you can go off on the bulls right now if you'd like. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, the real the hot debate on in bulls Twitter right now is if the bulls will. Uh, not actually a debate. It's just like something that came up was that the bulls currently have uh, eleven wins on the season. And still haven't surpassed the total wins the Bears had this season with 12. And I don't know if they're going to make it through January. Like, there's a chance the Bulls may only win one game in the month of January. What games do they have left? They play. Like, who the, do they play? I mean, losing to the Cavs is pretty bad. Like, that's. They beat the Cavs as their one win, but yeah, they lost to them over the weekend. I think it's the. They play Brooklyn tonight, but then I, I'm trying to remember the mix. It's like they play Charlotte. I know they play New Orleans. Um, let me pull up a medley of here. But, no, just shout-out to Jim Boylan for, once again, like being a 
quite the guy. Um, saying that, uh, yeah, so right now Bulls are th- up 35-32 against the Nets, 7-45 left in the uh, second second quarter. But they play the Heat on the 30th. And then in February they start with they play the Hornets, Pelicans, and then the Nets uh, next Friday. But I don't think my I don't know if the, I think it's gonna be past the Super Bowl before the Bulls at least tie the Bears in uh, total wins of the 2018-19 season. Um, so yeah, but no, Jim Boylan said like Chandler Hutchinson played at forty one minutes. Um, over the week on Friday night and then uh, against the Clippers and the next day was listed as out because for two to three weeks because of a fractured right toe and Jim Boylan just was like, oh, I'm proud of him. He wants to play and all this stuff. But, you know, he evidently didn't it, tell the Bulls <laughs> about his injury or something, but it's really seems pretty stupid or just there's a lot of – question marks around the idea of a guy that has played 41 minutes on a fractured right toe and now is out yeah i don't really uh that was talking really have anything to add no, <laughs> they're real bad. Um, it's uh that's your coach man unfortunately i i will also say that if the bulls would like to trade everything they have for 80 that's fine but i don't think do much but just put that that out there as well. Yeah, I you know, we talked about this a little bit already. They uh I mean, anyone is capable of putting a deal together because I think just about any team would be willing to include their first rounder this year, one or two future first rounders, two or three and five years out respectively. Um and then you throw in your best young assets and like, "Hey, what you know, what do you think?" And uh, something tells me AD's not going to be resigning with Chicago, though. Yeah, I don't think so either, man. Uh, I, yeah, basically, if if, if, uh, if you're a team that knows you can re-sign AD, yeah, I don't think there's anything on anyone except for maybe five players in the league that you would have to really, you know, him and haw about if you do a trade for that person. But, yeah. Anyway, other bullshit. Yeah. That not is not related to shit of bulls of the bulls. Yeah, so um, I'm not even sure where to start because we're all over the place here. But uh, I guess let's start. I finally you were you were on me about watching this documentary before the last pod that we did. But I I joined the craze and watched the Firefest doc. I watched the one on Netflix. I have not seen the one on Hulu. Um, did you like it? The Netflix, I so I watched yeah. both. I, I like after watching both of them. I mean, I kind of leaned my preference towards the Hulu one just because I think with the whole fire thing, it, fest it comes down to like it really. I do think comes down to like Billy McFarlane. And it's like, all right, how does this? How did this dude? Was he able to pull all this money out and like continuously get people to throw money and invest in this? Like obviously like failed thing or like future failed thing um and i think the hulu documentary at least goes into more of his prior businesses and just like 
kind of the makeup of this dude and how he was able to do all of this. Um, but like the Netflix one definitely has the more salacious stories and just like there's some over the top like ridiculousness attached to it that I don't think the and the Hulu one also has him Billy McFarlane actually interviewed and they got some heat because they interviewed him uh, or they paid him to get the interview but um, yeah I mean it's a it is a wild story I mean when it happened I mean I remember. I don't necessarily remember the as much of the marketing of it. I remember seeing like the kind of tagline or like some of the but maybe it was a Buzzfeed, you know, whatever it was, but like the concept of it. I don't really remember like the Instagram orange like advertisement or a lot of that. I don't. I don't remember that part of it. I remember catching wind of it before it they, it had actually started. You know, yeah. before people went there, I'd heard about it and was just like, it's this news festival and it's in the Bahamas, which was so pretty much I, every only thing every, everyone knew. Like there was all this other stuff around it, but it was like no one could definitively and like there was nothing out there of like this is this is what it is. And I guess I've been to a, a probably now at this point, like seven, eight music festivals and like. They all pretty much have a similar format, and I, I do re- like the only thing I really recall of this is like there wasn't any of that, and I thought, well, maybe I'm too er- too early with it, and it's just like it went from like that to all of a sudden it happening, and like that the explosion that happened on Twitter. But it, it to me, I do remember just thinking like, oh, this thing actually is going down already. Like it seemed quick, and just maybe I thought I at the time I thought I was late to the late to it all but it just it then the you everyone i think kind of can remember the actual like weekend of it and just like the debacle that it it became and just seeing the cheese sandwich picture and all that stuff. yeah like, so that's that's the tense. one image that's the one image that stands out that's what i think of when i think of firefest but yeah when when everyone. i found out about this what was blowing my mind was uh so I've, I've been to the Exumas before. I'd like the island that it's on. And it, there's just like absolutely breathtakingly beautiful place but does not have the infrastructure at all. And that's illustrated in the documentary on Netflix. And I'm sure it is on Hulu too. But yeah. it's just even getting – going to get something from the grocery store, going to get like – ketchup from the grocery store fruit from the grocery store those things are imported or difficult to get and thus expensive and limited so now all of a sudden you're gonna have thousands and thousands of people flying in and like look if you watch the documentary you get it uh the whole thing is that like wow how can you be so ignorant when it comes to being able to plan and i I still did i didn't get the one thing i didn't understand is i wish they would have went into explaining why they were so like why did they create this huge social media c- campaign for a festival that they did not have very properly planned out. Like you would think you have the location and exactly how you're going to build it and house X number of people. And then you're going to market the crap out of it, which I think if they had done that, it would have worked. Um, Cause they would have found run into all these issues before they had actually were like under the gun to hit a date. Uh, but the one th- incredible thing um I think they did a good job in the documentary. I don't know if can't speak for both, but I was so anxious just watching it. And you like know what's going to happen already, which Uh is 
I was just like, this is really stressful. <laughs> like, I know that this is going to be a disaster, but even though I know how this ends, it's just, it, this is really, really nuts to see how they're trying to tie this all together. Yeah. I didn't really going to remember the, you know, I'm going to, I was showed up to work fully prepared to suck that guy's dick, which is, yeah, that uh, is, uh, really that is the, the biggest story of it. Yeah. Is that the guy, the guy they brought in like three, which you're talking about the anxiety and like some of that portion. Like, and it almost leads into like being set up for failure, but it's like that guy was willing to do that, but they brought him in like what a month before the festival and was like, do this. And like what he was even able to do was impressive, but like he felt compelled to perform a sex act so he could get the water and like to be in that. Like, I'm like, dude, what are they, what are they paying him? Or like, why is this guy like putting himself out on the line more than the, the people that are like our names are really attached to this? Uh, yeah, I found that. That very... was that was like I just didn't understand. Like I think it was because that guy had like felt some sort of commitment and like just like loyalty to Billy. But it was that was I couldn't get over that more than like him even telling that story. But it's like, dude, you they had someone else doing this, and then you came in to help like a guy that you believed in and stuff, and like. He said you have a terrible I, position. PJ, I I'm loyal to you, but I will never do that. Yeah, well, the, the other I mean the offensive part is like, hey, you're the one gay guy here, like we need you to do this and he was like, "Okay, like I I'm prepared. I'm ready to do it." Hit the nail on the head with that one, brother. <laughs> anyway, it was good. I'm uh I'm I'm glad I'm finally up to speed with this and got to see kind of the inner workings of it. And, uh, yeah, definitely go check out that documentary if you haven't yeah. seen it already. I mean, I would say, like, if you're looking between the two, since, I, I mean, I did watch both. Um, like, I, and there is, and I think it's fair, there's, like, criticism under both of, like, how they got made and kind of the people influencing. Because, like, I think the the fuck Jerry guys do really have some sort of play in it. And like that was kind of the part I was interested in because there's the one of the guys that was actually running the campaign that's interviewed on the um that's interviewed in the Hulu one and then it's like the current CEO and some of the like active guys who like in the Netflix one shows like they got they were going to the event. Like they they were they were they were stuck on the island too and kind of a thing so it's like for them to be like well you know we just were doing our our bit but I I just I found some of it intriguing based on the like what are the ethical portions of like when did they realize like what did they know and like they were continuing to promote pretty much until like it was a clear like until they were on the island and saw like what kind of a shit show it was they were like oh. Yeah, now we're 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 stepping away. Like it's just like from an advertising, and you we have both have you know friends and people like you know in that world a little bit more. And it was it was kind of interesting talking to some of them like about the ethics behind that portion of it. Like, what do you what do you like as that advertising agency like? Oh, the consumer and like how are they complicit in some of this? Um, the one question I had for you, and it kind of came up today because there's like, I guess Kendall Jenner, Emily Radzikowski, some other of the Instagram models that were like originally paid, like they've been, they were getting criticized for it. Like they kind of play in that role too. Like, do you think like they 
should be at fault for like any of this or like for people buying into it because they were promoting it. Like, I don't personally put any blame on them. Like, I think if no, you're gonna get paid to do that. something, we talked about that. Like, watched it with um, with Lindsay, and right at the end, we were talking about it because I was like, obviously these women thought that the event was actually going to happen you know they they were promoting an event that hadn't occurred yet it's not their job to inspect the validity of whatever their uh it'd be one thing if they were promoting a product that they had not used and that was problematic and dangerous or something like that but like they're promoting a festival that just hadn't happened that's not their fault yeah, I and I don't expect even with a pro. I mean, if it's like a basic thing of like, oh, you have to like, I mean, like we're gonna get like we're a basketball. But like, do I need to be like mad at LeBron or like certain guy? You know, be like, oh, you're being paid by Nike, but like, look at the past, like, you know, factories in China that Nike, you know, stuff like that. Like, I don't know if that's really on. I don't really know if that's on the person that's is an endorser. Like, I do think there's some, and kind of a lot of this is like, how much of this was fraud versus bad, like consumer and just like you know millennials and wanting to be a part of the this like lifestyle and this what they were they were selling and like I'll give Billy McFarland credit. Like he knew the person, the demographic, the type of person he wanted to get attracted to this and got them. And pretty much got them at any cost, like to them, uh, to come to this. But like, kind of, I, I think it really my biggest takeaway from all of it was like everyone had some to blame with it. Um, it just is. It, it was incredible to me. Like you said, you felt the anxiety. Like I just couldn't get over the idea that like everyone was just like putting up with this and was like, basically everyone was on the Titanic and was like, well maybe we'll make it to shore. Like just maybe, maybe we can make it. You know. Yeah, we might. Some people might die, you know, stuff like this on the But they're like, no, we can make it pat through the Atlantic. It's like, no, no, you can also get off the boat, like. And really, there were like no one in either documentary really that like walked away. And there was, um, and the other part of it just to me that like I took away was just the like amount of like abundant wealth there is to like that people were just investing in this guy blindly and like his stuff with like really, honestly, like nothing he pitched or anything like he was selling me like not selling me directly but like he was saying the hulu one or like what they had of him talking about anything publicly like this guy was getting like linked as like the next zuckerberg by some like if i'm mark zuckerberg i'm pissed i made facebook like i made a, 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 a literally a thing that changed society i'm comparing to this schmo that like literally talked like we had like we would it's like he rolled out of bed and was doing a business presentation in a college course. Like he talked in these big, like high end, like business lingo stuff. Like I'm surprised he didn't say like synergy more in his, uh, any of his pitches. Like, I just didn't understand. Like, what did anyone hear? What did this guy show you that you're like, yeah, here's, here's $5 million. Just take this, you know, whatever. Like it just, it, that was the part that baffled me so much that like, what it what intelligence like what is this guy actually pitching what is the the business prop of any of this that you're like it odd people yeah i don't know he was the worst so i'm glad that I, he's in jail i i do uh i mean the one thing and i think the netflix one does a better job of this too just to wrap this up is like 
there is more on like towards like they were going to promote this app and some of that um and that gets such more than netflix one which i don't think it does enough like if that was legitimately kind of the selling point and this was just the, the this 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 festival was kind of the launching off the launch party of this app and all of that um i don't think either documentary went into enough of that if that's truly the case but you're not really aware of it um it's kind of like having sam's mention at the end of the hulu one whereas it is more of the focus of the uh of the netflix one for sure but I did like before to close this out though. I did want to say like, Ja Rule, man, what the f- <laughs> he is, he was like the biggest thing I had of any of it. It was just like his everything between both of them, like everything Ja Rule said. But like in the Netflix one, him saying like we didn't commit fraud. It was just like maybe some false advertisement was the line of that the, like, for me was my favorite. More than the the oral the oral sex um, <laughs> persuasion of the uh, the water they didn't pay the tariffs for, yep. and I just felt uh, awful for everyone on that island that worked and isn't getting paid. But it seems like there's GoFundmes and stuff that hopefully that are legitimate and getting some of those people <laughs> do yeah do pay I, and more. I certainly hope so, but. Those were the only people yeah, I felt bad for in the whole thing. Were those? I definitely went island. in. I definitely went in. Well, I, f- I feel a little bad for the people bought, buying tickets, but ah. people were spending ready to drop money they would have spent on like a like a, a, a college a year of, of college tuition to go to a festival. Yeah, I mean that's foolish. But you should, With, if you're gonna pay that much, you should at least get. You should get what you're paying for. So, I need to see a lineup. I need to see a schedule. I need to see like I'm not just gonna look. Yeah. We didn't buy tickets, so yeah, I well, get yeah, it, man. Smart. I mean, yeah, I don't have I don't have twelve grand to drop on something like that. But like the job rule thing, just he like his. I went in. I went in not thinking that he was really involved that much, but no, he was like running the show right there with Billy. He comes out, like, yeah. He made out of this whole thing like a like so well. I mean, Billy's the fall guy, and I don't really. I mean, I don't know day day operations. It didn't. I didn't get as much of that impression. Like he was involved in a lot of it, but like he was in the back door. Like he knew he had a lot more knowledge than the uh, the Instagram models and like feel like that. Like he at a certain point, but like, I yeah. I think I don't know if he was more focused like on just promoting this app because then he gets to see he had like a replacement of like a carbon copy of that like later. Um, yeah, he was he was a star. His yeah, even that conference call like it was just a little false advertisement. You misled some people. It's like yeah, that's fraud, Ja Rule. Ja, that's fraud. It's not great. Um, Super Bowls this weekend. Yeah, my least favorite week leading up to. I enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm not, but I just I hate the two weeks in between. I do not like it either. But who who's your who's the winner? What's your prediction? <sighs> do we do score? I mean, I personally, I I, I 
after the Patriots beat, ah, well, you don't have to do a you don't yeah, have to do a score. Just but I just will say this, and if you're a football fan, and maybe you were like the many texts I received towards the end when it was you know after that drive in overtime, the Patriots won. It was just a lot of f the Patriots, f the Patriots, and listen, I understand, and I maybe am on a minority of this, but I just don't have the energy, the willpower, or anything to get up to like root against the Patriots. And I was a former young, younger me, uh, ran out in the streets after the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots and gleefully shouted and, and was happy. And s- s- I sung David Tyree's name into the heavens. Uh, I just don't have that energy anymore. And really, like, I've come to the point in my life where I, um, if, if my football team can't win, ultra, if your football team can't win, which to our game. listeners, if your favorite football team can't win, unless you're a Patriots fan, here's the thing: I'd rather the collective all be miserable and like all get to be like frustrated that the Patriots keep winning than have like one of us kind of divvy off and be happy. I'd rather have everyone but Patriots fans be miserable together while Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are together than like a few people getting like a little glimpse and, and taste of happiness while some of us are miserable and the Patriots just like, cause I, here's the thing. Like I, the return of like, <laughs> this happiness is a hell of a and, prediction. <laughs> well, the return of like happiness and all of that is like, is marginal for Patriots fans. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going for the Patriots, but I am all here for them winning as far as like, I'm not, don't have the passion or like enough to get up to like, sell the Rams piece. And I, I think the Patriots are going to win just because they've done it. It's just like, I don't know. I like the Rams haven't impressed me enough. I thought the saints were the best team in the playoffs. I thought the saints were the best team all year. I like Gail, Gail Benson think that in the whole city of new Orleans and many other people, especially those in the gambling community, they got robbed and it was atrocious. No call. And, really like that that was allowed to happen and it just alter the game in such a way was really the black mark of the NFL. Um, so I can't really sell myself on the Rams. So I'm picking the Patriots just because they've done it. And like, I was there last year when they lost to the Eagles. Like when we bet on stuff, like I was very much on this, this, this all I'm speaking to is what I was like last year. So maybe if you're, Going off that, I was wrong last year. The Patriots are going to win, but Brady also had the greatest, the best probably game of his career last year in the playoffs against in the Super Bowl against the Eagles in a losing effort. Do that again, but I mean, I'm I'm really have been impressed with his ability to literally like change the type of quarterback he's been mid game, especially like in that Chiefs game. Like he went from being game manager to all of a sudden being the I'm going to throw for 500 yards and, like, score at will quarterback of, like, when he was playing with Randy Moss. So, I mean, with all of that, like, um, I, I can't really make the argument for how the the Rams are, have the, the schemes and everything about Sean McVay that will, like, beat the Patriots. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the Patriots in this, too. I mean, <laughs> if the, I did all the, the talking work- for us. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I don't really have anything to add, but <laughs> the, the well, Rams, I just like it, uh, this. I've uh, man, I've been sitting in this apartment for like two weeks. 
Yeah, you're you're eager for human interaction. A little cabin fever talk. here. I just... No, I actually, you know, during weekends that it's just really cold and you don't really leave the apartment too much. I go, I get a little stir crazy. So I can only imagine how you're feeling. But anyway, I have the pats. If the if the Rams ended up winning the game, it would not surprise me. The Rams are a no. really good team. Uh, I think they're the interior of that defensive line could. Can, has the ability to control the game, but the Rams secondary has been pretty terrible all year just because that Marcus Peters yeah. and Aqib Tlaib are, are playing doesn't necessarily make me think that they're going to be able to shut down the pass because no. they just have, they just got kind of like second, third, fourth tier wide receivers to just kind of do stuff. And because they have the best quarterback of all time there, they, uh, turns out they're still pretty good. Um, and the Pats defense just really good this year, like especially as of late, um yeah i think what they i mean they shut out the chiefs for the first half um i know they gave up you know 30 points the second half but they they were impressed they were really impressive against the chargers they played a really good half of football against the chiefs and they just um i think think that was more i got i felt like that was more the chiefs offense like failing in the first half than it was the patriots i mean i i think they did a good job taking away tyreek hill and make them uh, put the sure. ball in Sammy Watkins' hands to beat them. Like I think that's smart. I think sure. they did some good things. I um, I just know that like when it was the, the before Championship Sunday, which is like one of my top three favorite sports days of the the calendar year, just like singular days. Um, I was I was like, man, I the last matchup I want is. The least, all I want was it not to be Rams Patriots too. So that's also where I'm coming from, like a melancholy approach. Um, but I was just I once the Bears got eliminated, I was very much on the Saints bandwagon. Uh, and I, I watched probably 14 of the 16. I felt I watched outside of the Bears, I watched the the Saints the most this season and like enjoyed watching them. So. It all kind of comes back to that for me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't – I just don't – I think if, yeah, the, the Rams are able to get pressure on Brady, like, which no one's been able to do all year, like, cool, then, yeah, you got a chance. That's how the Eagles beat them last year. They were yeah. able to put pressure in. Um, At least on one drive. And yeah. They, their offense put that a counted. lot of points. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I, I do any... have one prediction. For it, yeah. a, not a game score, but yeah. So assuming I'm going with the Patriots winning, uh, Gronk. If everyone's down on Gronk and Gronk's not like that, I'm saying Gronk's gonna be MVP. I'd like to see his odds before we bet it, but it's possible their linebackers can't cover anybody. My the ramp. Well, I don't think Gronk's really had a good Super Bowl for the Patriots. He's even hurt. I mean, he's literally he had two like touchdowns a, last year. Oh, did he? Okay. I couldn't yeah. remember what his stat line was last year, and I've taken Almost zero positive. effort to actually look it up. But I, I mean, I'm mainly thinking of like when they were that Giants one in Detroit, where he was hurt his foot, and like, oh, I mean. But I, even then, it's like the the Brady cloud has been more of the main. Like that's been always the thing. But I feel like people are really down on Gronk, and like he might be done after this year. He might be done before Brady. <laughs> He maybe yeah. he comes up and like has a crazy game. I mean Brady Brady came out and said that he's gonna keep playing. But yeah, uh, Brady had 505 yards and three touchdowns last year. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, shoot, this is good. But good podcasting. I know. Good podcasting. Had Gronk. Gronk in. had nine catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. That's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, any shout outs before we call today, Peach? I just want to shout out True Love. Um, and and when I say True Love, it was a conversation we were having earlier. And I just think everyone needs to find something they love as much as we'll do. See our friend of the pod. And hopefully we'll have him on before the playoffs to kind of take this text conversation we had today and really break it out more. But, uh, man, that guy loves Nikola Jokic more than I – he makes me feel insecure about my love for Giannis is all I have to say about it. But, like, that is unconditional if, love if I've ever seen it. I don't even know if, if a mother can love you, a child as much as Will DC <laughs> loves Nikola Jokic. If you love your significant other half as much as, as Deuce loves Jokic, then. You're in for, like, a happy 50 years of marriage. Hashtag relationship goals, I guess, is all I'm saying. It's uh, impressive, the, man. The one... Uh, we, talked about football a lot but the one shot i had which like adam venteri is coming back for his 24th season next year which is insane uh he has been playing in the nfl almost as long as i've been alive and uh shout out adam venteri for somehow still kicking 50 yarders like it's nothing that was the one i had you're shouting out adam Vin- All right, huh. dude i got anybody that can do play professional sports for 20 you know quarter of a so you're big century. julio franco guy <laughs> no vince carter i'm a big, I'm a big olindo mare guy who's olindo mare i you can do a little googling after this but who's the uh deep... what's the uh who's the hockey player uh uh yarich right yarmir yager yarmir yager thank you jesus Christ. yeah yeah you <laughs> you're mixing Yager and Jokic. Yeah. Big Jägermeister guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know I am. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so Vince Carter is Vince Carter your favorite basketball player then of all time since he's played you know, he's playing twenty seasons. No, but Vinatieri is not my favorite football player of all time either. Who is? <sighs> That's a good question. I'm going to think on that while I answer next time. I don't know. Ooh, good tease. Here's one final uh, thing I have. Do you think back to basketball, we'll bring back to basketball. Do you think Vince Carter should do the dunk contest? Since we I would stumbled love, into this. I would love for him to do the dunk contest. Would love it. On the jump yesterday, they brought up, because they had uh, Trey, Trey Young and uh, my guy John Collins, which if John Collins does a dunk contest, that's going to be my pick to win it. Um, is He's that guy good. right there? I love John Collins. Um, is uh, the idea that it's in Charlotte and he could wear like his UNC like blue and just do all that stuff was the selling point I wanted to hear that I didn't hadn't thought of, but I think Rachel Nichols mentioned it and it was like, yeah, I'm I'm you sold me if he did that, but it would be cool if he if John Collins does it and like Vince Carter is like helps him with a dunk would also be cool or like. Somehow they could do like a double dunk. <laughs> I just feel like see like Vince Carter do one more like dunk in a dunk contest at forty two. I, 
I would. Uh, I am all for him being in the dunk contest. I totally respect his if he would like to rest and like enjoy his time off. But if he doesn't have a good like All Star break plans, I, and if he's gonna be there, I I would like it. Or if they like kept it hidden in secret and just like the night before was like announced it or he did something. Um, I'm here for any of that. Like I'm here for a lemonade drop of Vince Carter being in the dunk contest if it's going to happen. Me too, brother. Um, hopefully we get an Anthony Davis trade in the next couple of days and then we'll bring another podcast. Um, but if not, we'll be back next week. Uh, talk about all-star selections and yeah, reserves get announced it, on Thursday and then uh, we'll have, yeah, we'll definitely be doing a, have to at least tra- trade deadline megapod with, all-star draft in there in a couple on february 7th is just around the corner folks yep we will uh we will make we will definitely bring your podcast your way next week one way or another but thank you everyone for listening check us out uh on itunes stitcher leaves a review at foolish killer at point forward nba on twitter questions stuff you want to talk about at the point forward at gmail.com.